Frank's Red Hot is the perfect blend of flavor and heat. So you can use an entire bottle to make recipes like buffalo chicken dip or buffalo nachos. Or even things that don't start with buffalo. Frank's Red Hot. I put that on everything. Hey, Craig. Too loud, then yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna get the echo. Maybe someday I'll put a you know, noise dampening things on my walls and you know be a real professional podcaster. Maybe someday, maybe someday yeah. I'll like you know we'll we'll you know get a Patreon or something, and then we'll if we made a professional amount of money on this, like professional podcasters. But until then, until, until then, you're gonna then. get the weird echo when I talk too loud. So yeah, how about that? How about that? Well, um, sorry, this is late. This is a late podcast, but you know, I want I wanted to yeah. go to a, a, a an emo concert on on Thursday on Monday, and then I went to a Mariners doubleheader on Tuesday, <laughs> um, and so and then last night we were like no, and then tonight you know plus you got one from Michael. He he did his earlier, so yeah. you you've gotten one on the feed, uh, but you know this is episode one seventy six, slightly delayed. Uh, WSU beats Cal, but also big ass game with USC coming up on the road. Possibly Hell last, yeah. possibly last game ever at the Coliseum, uh, uh, edition. And I am Craig Powers as always with me, Jeff Neusser. And Jeff, Hello. I guess we'll start with, we'll start with the Cal game. We'll get to the USC game. We'll spend less time than we normally do on the Cal game because obviously it is now kind of old news, but, uh, what an encouraging, performance uh just to uh you know to to avoid the cow bullshit really win handily run away with it in the fourth quarter um and and just honestly wasn't even as close as the score indicated uh there's some things that you you can hope you can clean up in the future um and and, but but so but you know to to win 28-9 uh, it seems that the offense is getting better and better. Um, you know, obviously they didn't score as much against Oregon as they did against Oregon last week, but they still were moving the ball quite well. Um, just mistakes were killing them. And, and, and just to, to see the running game come back again, uh, you know, to do better, the run, you know, especially Jenkins get in there and, and get some big plays and still see the creativeness of the offense in the red zone. Um, all that. Like it was just a, an all around sat, very, very, very satisfying performance off the back of a very, um, uh, you know, disappointing ending to the Oregon game. Yeah. I mean, by, you know, virtually any metric, 
you know, we dominated the game. Uh, you know, Cal finished with 311 total yards. We had 415. And then if you look at it on a, on a per play basis, we were at, you know, 6.4 yards per play. Cal was at 5.1. Um, for Cal, so much of that came on about two completions, right? Yeah. Um, you know, totally bottled up, uh, Jade not, which was great. Um, yeah, just, <clears throat> you know, kind of exactly what you wanted to see. You wanted to see a strong response to the Oregon loss. You wanted to see that they weren't, uh, you know, wallowing in that. And, you know, even as the offense kind of sputtered early, it wasn't, you know, it didn't, it didn't feel like the team was flat. It just sort of felt like they were, you know, having a hard time kind of figuring it out. Right. You know, the defense obviously was fired up right out of the gate played, you know, tremendous, um, you know, for, for the vast majority outside of basically two plays, right. Yeah. They were, they were locked in for, for pretty much the entire game. So, um, yeah, like I think, you know, it's a major credit, I think to, to Jake Dickert. Um, I, I think maybe we're already reaching the point of kind of taking that for granted. Um, you know, cause as I thought about things to write for my, my Monday column that, that came out on Tuesday, um, like I, you know, I was kind of thinking, you know, what do I want to ride? And I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about that. And and the and the honest truth is, I really didn't give much thought to, you know, the coaching job that went into preparing the team for that game because I, I guess I just am kind of taking it for granted at this point. Like that's that's what that's what they do, and that's that's what Jake Dickert and his staff do. And um, you know, to come out from that, you know, really super disappointing loss to. Um, you know, more or less dominate Cal, even though the, the score was tight for a while, it, you know, really, it wasn't really close. Um, you know, one team was, was played better than the other team for the, really the entirety of the game. So, you know, I just was kind of like, yeah, you know, this is, this is what they should do. And, you know, Jake Dickert, I think deserves a lot of credit for that. And I think maybe, maybe I shouldn't quite take it for granted as much as I am, but, um, it was really pleasing to see them coming out and, and not, um, you know, just kind of falling all over. I mean, Oregon state, right. Went to Utah and got, you know, smacked around. So, uh, you know, I think that, you know, coming out and, and playing a, a quality game at home against a team that, that has sort of given you fits over the years, you know, certainly nothing to complain about there. And, um, I think, you know, it sets you up nicely for the, for the finish that you dream of because, you know, you lose that game and then all of a sudden, it, you know, you're finding the path forward to, you know, sort of a top half of the conference finish starts to, you start to have a harder time finding that. And, you know, that's, that's certainly still in play. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they, you know, they look every bit of a good team and, and that's, that's yeah. what's nice. Uh, and, 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 and it just seems, you know, Cam made two, uh, you know, one throw his first interception. Uh, he probably threw it late. Uh, to be honest, uh, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm up top and I, and I saw that dude open and then the safety closed and picked the ball off, you know, so that I think he threw it a bit late or maybe shouldn't have thrown it at all if it was going to be that tight of a window, especially because it was first down and you were in opponent territory. You probably didn't need to take that risk. The second interception was just absolutely pointless. Like it, there was nothing there. I remember yep. watching it. And I, I'm just screaming, no one's open, no one's open, no one's open, no one's open. And, and like, he just lets it go. And, you know, easy pick. Uh, well, when, he didn't have again, to either. I mean, that's the thing. Like, he could have, you know, I think he had a little bit for of a few yards. If he wanted yeah, he to. Probably, he could have flipped it worst, out of bounds for an incompletion. Like, there's a million things he could have Again, done. It, was not, it was not even third down. It was like, you know, it was, again, but they're also, when you're in 
field goal range, right? All that. Just eat, eat it. You know, take yeah. points when you can. Like, if there's nothing there, take the best possible option. The best possible option is not forcing it into nothing. Yeah. Like the second one was, there was nothing to be seen there. And, uh, and, and, and that was, it was a scramble play. Like it wasn't even like his first read, just throwing it out of instinct. It was just, yeah. Was, so he's really, you know, he's got to clean those up. Like he can't be doing that against USC. Like it just can't well, be yeah. doing that. <laughs> And, and, I'm like, sure. I'm and, sure we'll talk about how USC thrives off turnovers. Yeah. So. But 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 yeah. But yeah. Other than that, like you know, he was over eight yards a pass. Um, that was good. And I see them explosive against you know a coach, uh, a head coach that has and former defensive coordinator that has given WSU trouble for years, years and years, <laughs> and to and, yeah. And to see to go over eight yards of pass against a Wilcox defense is I don't they've probably never done that I I don't really know but I'm just gonna go I'm just gonna go ahead and assume that they've never done that um, and and then just to see you know the ground game uh, uh, you know well one thing back to the passing game Renard Bell having a yeah. huge game so cool so cool um, Robert Farrell. Uh, maybe this offense would have been just fine in the first two games. Without him, you know? I know. Like, I definitely, I definitely had that. You said too. that in your column. You said that in your column. Like I, I did. Or you, you alluded to it at least. Like it, I think he obviously, uh, Cam is very comfortable with him and he's good. Like he's, yeah. he's legitimately good. Yeah. I mean, like, he's beating he, dudes. He's beating dudes off the line and getting separation and like he's, He's good, man, which is like and he, you know, wild to think about. And, and in the part return game, he his first one was real bad. He tried to go lateral, didn't work, lost yardage. But after that, he just went straight forward. He got some great returns. Um, learned his lesson. That was good. Uh just yep. take take what they're gonna give you. And and you know, it he's been, you know, a revelation. Like it oh yeah, like kind of the rise of uh like um what was his name? Uh Arcanado, like because because uh, uh, Gordon had such a rapport with him because they had played basically on like scout team forever with each yep. other, and then Arcanado has this huge stretch of games and season because the quarterback and the receiver are such in tune, and you're seeing that with Farrell and and, and uh, Cam now, and I think like it's just going to only provide more and more benefits through the season as we go along. Um, and just to have that safety blanket, like dude, that's always, you know, a guy that's always open, you know, maybe it might be for like five yards or whatever, but like, it's nice to have someone's always open. Um, and then Renard having a big game, uh, didn't need as much from Deshaun and Ollie. Obviously it looks like maybe Cal is kind of taking away the outside more given, given the inside receivers, what they wanted. And you know, that, that was just fine with us. Um, and, uh, you know, we saw, we've seen that a lot with years with the air raid. Uh, the guys that have good games are different from week to week because whatever the, because a defense will decide to take away a certain part of the field. And it's natural in the air raid to just go find the open part of the field. And that's good to see that, um, Cam can have big games with different guys week to week because that's kind of how it should be with the air raid. Um, rarely do you have a, a, a Marx or Crabtree type where they just, 
uh, such a dominant a force Vince, that a Vince Maley, a Vince Maley, or uh, <laughs> you know, like it, it, so, uh, or or when we had the the Winston Patman combo uh, on the right, yeah. where they were just always, you know, just whoever pick your whoever was in there was was going to have a good day. Um, but it was, but yeah, that was nice. Um, it was good to see Jenkins break out, have some big runs. Watson had a big run, had, you know, didn't always, didn't have a huge day, but, but he, he did have a couple big runs. Um, Jenkins got his first touchdown. And of course, WSU got its first tight end touchdown since Woo! 2011. And it should have happened with a different tight end <laughs> yeah. on the play before. Um, yeah. But, uh, but you know, uh, Cam tried a left. It took a second. You saw him do it, and then you're like, wait, did he throw that with his left hand? And so he took a left-handed pass right on yeah. the money. Uh, yeah. And um, Andre Dollar couldn't, couldn't catch it in, couldn't draw it in for what should have been his first touchdown. Uh, but the next play, they ran a play, uh, you know, for um, what, uh, Billy Revere. River, how do you say his name? Uh, Riviere. Um, for obviously ran the play for him to get. It seems like they wanted that tight end touchdown. Like they because they seem to run the play for Dollar before. Although I don't yeah. think they intended for. I don't think they intended for um, for uh, for Cam to throw that ball left handed. But hey, they if he can did. do that, they they did, did intend. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, really? so Cam said after the game that he had been practicing his left-handed throws all week. So that was that that was part of the play. <laughs> so, oh man. So there you go. But I mean this all like That's plays awesome. into yeah, I mean this all plays into, you know, the what Eric uh, Eric Morris is doing in the red zone. Like and I remember, you know, I mean, Rod, you know, we, we all have, you know, seethed over the years at Rod Gilmore calling our games and lamenting, you know, oh, we're in the red zone now. This is where the air raid really struggles, um, which, of course, was never actually super true. I mean, we had some we, we had some years that were, you know, quite excellent in the red zone. But, you know, what's what's crazy about what what we're doing right now is that we're doing almost all of it through the air and we are converting in the red zone a lot. Like and when I say converting, by the way. Sometimes announcers will talk about uh, red zone percentages and they count any score as a conversion. No, no. Field goals do not count in the red zone. I mean, they count on the scoreboard, but when you're talking about how good a team is in the red zone, um, they, they just do not count. And so what you want to do is you need touchdowns, right? And WSU is scoring tons of touchdowns and they're like almost they're like two thirds of them are through the air and, it's, you know, so much of that is the way that Eric Morris is, is scheming it up. And I mean, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if there's a point at which like he starts running out of ideas, but man, it sure seems like every single week they've got something cooked up. They can get somebody open. I mean, you, you know, you mentioned the touchdown catch by Revere, like he came, so he started, he was on the right hand side of the formation, kind of in an H back spot. And then when the ball is snapped, the outside receiver shriveling comes across and gives, you know, the, the time honored, you know, rub route. Right. And Revere comes all the way across the formation behind the line, finds a, you know, a little bit of a spot in the flat catches the ball and, and more or less walks into the end zone. And it's like, yeah, I, I mean, it's fairly simple, 
But it's also like, you know, normally we see those kinds of route combinations with two wide receivers, right? Like, and that's what we always saw, you know, Mike Leach ran those all the time, you know, with his air raid. Um, you know, normally you see two wide receivers, you know, trying to scream for each other. And, you know, the defense defenses have gotten, you know, I mean, when they're run really, really well, they're, you know, almost impossible to defend. But defenses have gotten better at defending them. So what do you do? Well, you change you change the angle. You throw a second receiver out there that maybe the defense doesn't see coming. This this tight end, you know, who runs across the formation behind the offensive line before he gets to the flat. Like just like really little, you know. And I think it was Stribbling got him a little. Things. They had yep. Stribbling run back across, give him a little kind of a pick, yep. and uh, so that that would that totally cleared the path. Like it was so yep. clear once he caught the ball. Like yep. So. You know, you just look at that and you just go like, eh, you know, I don't know, man. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something that, you know, if you're, if your offense is being a little bit inconsistent, but you're scoring touchdowns every time you get to the red zone, like, eh, you're going to be okay. I mean, I know we're going to talk about like FEI here in a bit. And I know that, you know, Brian Fremo's system, um, likes us. And I, I am certain that a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, how many of our drives, you know, end in touchdowns when they get deep rather than settling for field goals. Yeah. And so it's, and one thing that's, this is the most creative offense that WSU has had in a yes. long time. It, uh, you know, maybe, obviously maybe ever, maybe, maybe ever, ever, but I, obviously just the, the single back uh, offense, the single back spread offense that price was running was really innovative, obviously. Yes. Um, at the time, but, uh, to take, a, you know, a base offense that WSU we've had, we had for eight years and it doesn't like, you see a lot of the same routes and you see a lot of the same, you know, they, they run the way they run is very similar, but to have a tight end that blocks on the run, that's pretty fucking cool. Like, uh, to have a tight end that can block on screens, that's pretty fucking cool like to have that big dude that can run into guys like i'm really really liking having that tight end and just the creativity of the plays we the, there's a lot of non-standard air raid plays that they're running these are not plays that you run in practice seven thousand times to make sure that you have it right or whatever you know like the, there's a lot of interesting things that we're doing we had just two offenses that were very pure forms of them obviously uh, with, uh, Delora, they were running a, a little bit of, uh, zone read, um, stuff, uh, with the, um, with the run and shoot. But you basically had, you had like the old, like the, the purest version of run and shoot that existed. And then you had the purest version of the air raid that existed and, and, uh, and that will ever exist. And, but now we have this kind of, we have this air raid that we have seen other, like programs used for yes. years. And, and you kind of like when we were, we had our raid, air raid and we loved our air raid. It was our identity, but also you would see other programs who are running air raid concepts do other shit. And you're like, can we do that too? Um, and now we're doing it. Like we're, we're, we're taking, we're taking the concepts of air raid, you know, the route trees and the spacing but we're using we're running different plays. We have a tight end in there. Like everything is just it looks it's fun. Like and and like you said, like having a tight end in the red zone that helps. Like and obviously WSU 
you, as you said, and you, as what you wrote um, this week about, they did have some really good red zone years, but those are also it, those are the years when they had like multiple really good running backs, and so they they ran these like two back sets, and they would make you know that, and then they had quarterbacks who knew what they're doing and stuff like that. But but you know this they. I would say this offense is not as talented as some of those offenses in the past that have excelled in the red zone, but they are converting in the red zone really well um, beyond like the capabilities that they're showing outside of the red zone, which, which, which is why like they have been able to take advantage of short fields so well this year. And again, that's part of the, um, uh, the free, like the, we would talk about the free mo efficiency index, like, where their offense is probably rated higher than that and then some other places because, you know, he his stuff really looks at what are the available yards you have for your drive and how many of those yards did you get. And when they're getting these short fields, they convert. So yep. when the defense set ter- gets them a turnover, gets them a stop, they convert. And, and that's been huge. That's why they've, you know, that's why they could beat, um, that's why they could beat Wisconsin. Um, having a, a significant yardage yardage disadvantage. That's why they could be nearly beat Oregon while ha- being outgained by like almost 300 yards. Like it, it just is because when they have their opportunities, they take advantage of them, and that's such a huge part of of football. It, you know, like there's so many defenses at every level that have succeeded for years letting teams move between the 20s, move between the 10s, move between the 40s, whatever, and give up yardage, but just know that it's a lot harder for an offensive score once once the windows are smaller. And if we flip it and look at our defense, which you did in your article, um, you pointed out that the defense has only given up touchdowns on half of their uh half of their drives in both Pac-12 play and overall. And you could see that you love to see a team that excels in the same concept on both sides of the football. And to me, that always screams to me good coaching. That's an emphasis in coaching. If you emphasize something on one side, you should always emphasize it on the other. We talk about in basketball all the time too, three-pointers, things like that. And, and to see, see some, they're emphasizing being good in the red zone on both sides of the football. And that's how you win games when you're recruiting three stars and they're recruiting four stars and five stars. Like this is, this is a, this is a, there's our, there are different ways to maximize, maximize talent. And this is one of those ways. And it, and it's, it's just really exciting to see it play out so far. Something that was less exciting <laughs> was is kind of been a hot topic of conversation this week, which was the uh, the attendance on Saturday. So oh, I know you geez. were there, and I also heard that the atmosphere was kind of eh. now maybe that had to do with the I don't know. I mean, the first half wasn't the 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 thrillingest half of football ever, but yeah, it was pretty boring. Know, what's, yeah. What's, yeah, what's sort of your take on on what the atmosphere was like, and especially since uh, you've been to literally every game this year, including the one in Madison. <laughs> so, yeah. what's what was your sort of your take on on how Saturday was relative to maybe previous weeks? 
Well, I definitely think the game state can affect because any Cougar that will tell you at Madison says like the atmosphere is a little bit disappointing there because like they obviously were affected by the fact that we were challenging them and they weren't quite as excited. And I think there was a little bit of that on Saturday for sure. But you see that official attendance number, 23,021. Like that's less than we're at Colorado State. And this is homecoming. Like, usually homecoming's automatic near sellout or sellout. Like, automatic. You get you get those games every year. You get homecoming and, and, and family weekend, formerly dad's weekend. That, that you, yeah, those that are, are just, the two. Those are the two you yeah, can count on. You, you get sellout and then maybe like a USC slash Oregon coming in. So Oregon, we got it last week. And maybe that had influence. You know, people said, instead of going to homecoming, I'm going to Oregon. Which Oregon kind of felt like homecoming. Like there was a lot of people there that that was their one game they were going to, all that stuff. But Cal, you could tell like it was just, it was just kind of lighter. Like in the, in the tailgates, at, at, at the bars, like it was just definitely a, a lighter crowd. And then when we went in the stadium, yeah, like the alumni part was, was sparse in places. There was, you know, there also there was like almost no visitor presence. Like I think there was, Amanda joked that uh, there was twelve Cal fans there, which uh, probably is pretty close, honestly. Yeah. Um, the students never filled up like the way they did against Oregon. Uh, not even, you know, they were fuller for Idaho. I would say. Um, so that wasn't, you know, the student presence wasn't uh, uh, full. Um, and, and so it, yeah. And then, yeah, it was just, wasn't like a, wasn't like an intense atmosphere. I, I will say, yeah, the game kind of lulled us all into a bit of a sleep. Like it was a, it was a pretty big snoozer the first half for sure. It was a seven, three at halftime. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, the crowd came to life a bit at the end, but, but still, you know, it, there wasn't that many of us there. So, uh, it was definitely, uh, apparently it was the, the lowest one of the lowest home crowding um, crowds ever, at least since the yeah. stadium is had Martin stadium or whatever. Yep. Um, so that, that's, that's just crazy to me. You know, it's, 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 it's wild to think because, um, you know, when, when, uh, when I went to WSU, I was, my freshman year was the third of a, a three straight 10 win seasons. And those, you know, coming off the Rose bowl, like it, that, I don't know that momentum carried like the the crowds are pretty full for like a couple years after that. Yeah, and if you're looking at it now, like WSU has had sustained like good like the the best stretch of sustained football success that they've ever had. Yeah, but it still ha- is not bringing people in. Unless so much has changed though, right? Like, it's yeah, like, I know. I mean. That's kind of the thing. Like, it's hard to do an apples to apples comparison. It's not because yeah. the environment has changed. I mean, so it much. is, yeah, yeah. And we've talked about we talked about, and I, I know Michael talked about it on his podcast too. But like, it's, um, we've talked about how, you know, the pandemic has kind of people got used to watching shit at home or you know doing things at home, doing things in their community. And maybe they are not feeling like they need to go, you know, drive to Pullman to get that experience because yep. also you can add on the TV experience. 
is when I'm talking about when I was in school, you know, almost 20 years ago versus now is so much better. One, all the games are on TV. Yep. Also, as much as we hate on Pac-12 Network, their production is awesome. Yeah. And, and, and like better than ESPN many times. And Most of the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, and, and so it's a good viewing experience. You get all the angles, you get all that. Um, you know, you know what's going on. There's so many times, especially replay, uh, we have no clue what's going on. And that, but if you're at home, you do. And also, you can get up and go to the bat. You can get up, you can do something else, whatever. Yeah. I mean, you could do that at the game too, but, uh, you, you, <laughs> and it's you, just and like, you don't have to drive multiple hours to, to, uh, for the privilege yeah, to do it. Anywhere between <laughs> one and a half to six or seven right, hours. Depending on where away. you live. Yeah. Um, I yeah, mean, somebody, and, and so, so just to the, just to the point about the pandemic too, like, Somebody in one of the comments on, uh, you know, on, on one of the stories on Coog Center, you know, posted the average attendance, you know, kind of for the last, it looked like about the last 15 years, I think, um, just off the top of my head. And there is a very distinct difference from pre-pandemic to post. Like it was, I, I mean, look, you know, you, you were there, um, you know, having big crowds was, was pretty regular under Mike Leach. Like that was, especially the last, like. You know, two, three years, obviously 2018 was its own thing. And even 2019 was still, you know, had, even though that team had some struggles, there was certainly some carryover, um, you know, for especially once, especially and, once we got into Pac-12 play, like yes. it was, so, yeah. it, you know, it, it, they were still hovering around, you know, 30,000 ish, you know, pretty much most of Mike Leach's tenure. And now it's like the last two years has been you know, whatever, 24, 25, 26, something like that. I mean, like a really substantial drop off, like a 10%, you know, reduction. Um, so I, you know, I, I do think that there is, um, something to just, you know, pandemic stuff, you know, people getting, you know, whatever it is, getting used to staying home, not wanting to be out in public. I mean, there are still people like that. <laughs> there are still people who are like, uh, no, I am, I am not going out. I do not want to catch, uh, the coronavirus, And so they stay home. Um, well, and there's, but I, and we cannot discount. There may also be people that uh, don't didn't like the restrictions, and they yep. didn't like them last year, and they're still mad about it. They may be mad about Rolo, whatever. They may be saying no, and I definitely know about people that yep. do not go to the games because of that, and so and that could be having. We an don't know too. how. We also don't know how season tickets compare either. Right, that's not something WSU yes. typically publicizes, so we don't really know. Well, and if you have that season, well, the funny thing was, like, a lot of us bought the season tickets for 2020, and then they were already paid for for 2021. But a lot of people, mm -hmm. you could take a you could take a refund option, but a lot, I, some people did do that. Like, but a lot of people didn't do that. Um, uh, but yeah, if, yeah, I, I found it CyberCube 12 the numbers, and they're pretty stark, you know. 26,000 and you're thinking like that's including the Oregon game um and the Idaho game which were Idaho yep. is is uh, is always going to be pretty well attended you get a lot of Idaho fans and it's the first game of the year the students come out because it's the first game of the year whatever um but but so you're thinking like well what's what games do we have left like so we have a Thursday game 
that's not going to bring up the average. It's going to be against probably a top 10, top 15 team, but uh, it's on Thursday. That game <laughs> yeah, is you've not going to be well attended. so much of your fan base. Like, they, they literally cannot come. Like, we'll be lucky yeah. to have 25,000 at that game. Um, uh, you know, yeah. I, I think that's, that's the, and, and even the students, it's like, now, there's people with classes at like 7 p.m. on weeknights. Like it, like it, not right. a lot, but there are. Uh, you know, so, so to, to ask for like 11,000 students to show up at Thursday at seven, you know, hopefully they will because Utah will be highly ranked and stuff. But the, I don't think the alumni, maybe 25, maybe 27,000 for that. But then you have a, yeah. you have a November 12th game, which is two weeks before the Apple Cup. I, against Arizona State, who's not going to be any sort of a draw. Um, I don't see a huge turnout for that. Now the Apple Cup will be a sellout. Like that'll be that'll be thirty three thousand or whatever. So I I think it's probably going to stay around this twenty six thousand average that we currently have. Um, which would be uh the lowest. Uh, last year was the lowest, but also last year we had a lot of. There was a lot of restrictions and things. Um, you had to have, um, uh, you had, uh, you don't, you didn't have proof of vaccination, but you, you had to wear masks or well, there was something about last year that was weird. I don't remember. Um, uh, but, but it was, it was, and then plus it was straight off the pandemic. A lot of people didn't feel comfortable. Um, so this would be the lowest since, uh, before Leach came, uh, since yep. Wolf's last year. Um, which we're sitting at four and one and we have beaten a big 10 team on the road. And we have, uh, yeah, like it's, this team is as good as a lot of those other teams that have these bigger averages, but it's, it, 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 it's, it, it, it's to the point where, yeah, I'm not sure like outside of massive, massive, massive games. And, those they're only massive if the opponent is also highly ranked. Yes, yes that is that so is outside cool. of that, like there we're probably not gonna have many sellouts. You know, Apple Cups plus Oregon games, maybe US well never USC again. Well USC no, USC doesn't play us next year, do they? No. Nope. I don't remember. Nope. They're, so, yeah, I believe they're never, off the rotation next year. So we don't have USC next year. And they they used they they're always a prime candidate for that. Um, so uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's I don't, I don't see many sellouts um, anymore unless you know something something changes. But what can change, Jeff? What could possibly change for fucking middle of the nowhere Pullman, where the yeah. hotels are like I'll I'll fucking tell you I paid. $850 for my two nights of, at the quality inn this weekend. Yes. Oh, like we're like at at a hotel that has not been renovated for 25 years. And I and I also don't blame them for charging that because like they would not exist if they didn't. Um yep. and they know they can get it. And cuz idiots like me pay it. But like <laughs> yeah, outside of that, like like out, the hotel price is not coming down. Like it, that's not going to happen. You they, you could never build enough hotels in Pullman to do that. They have built new hotels in Pullman. It did nothing to change the price. 
Also, yep. those hotels are like full of um, uh, athletes and and uh, TV personalities and stuff during and yes. TV crews during weekends. Yes. So I'm not sure they were that helpful, but um, yeah. there I think there's talk of another hotel being built. I don't think it'll move the needle that much because um, and then there's people who are like, let's have more RV lots, all this stuff. Why? Like, would the would any of that move the needle? Is can, no. What could possibly change it? <laughs> the the answer, the answer is, I think the answer is no. I, well, I think buses, the you know, is, buses, things like that. Yeah, I mean, and this is the thing, like, like anytime this conversation comes up, you know, people talk about hotels and they talk about buses and they talk about Horizon Air flights from Seattle to, to Pullman. And I'm just like, like, okay, so big time college football. I mean, let's talk about big time college football, right? Can you imagine what it would look like at Husky Stadium if 27,000 people showed up? Right? Like, and, and I mean, just, just, I understand. Well, all the I, well, whatever. Like, well, just think about go what it looks like. Think about look what it looks like at the Rose Bowl when 30,000 people yes. show up. Yes. Okay. So that's, that's a good, that's a good comparison. Okay. So I, I what I'm, what I'm kind of driving at is this. I mean, we're talking about the difference between, 32,000, 30,000, 27,000, 24,000, right? But it's like, man, like, like a sellout is like a super miniature power five crowd to begin with, right? Like, I mean, every other big time program, I mean, like Oregon State right now is dealing with reduced capacity and because they're doing renovations and their reduced capacity is what I think 25,000, right? Like, which is only 7,000 or 8,000 less than what, uh, Martin stadium Giza field holds. Right. So like, to me, it's like, okay, so we have these conversations, we wring our hands and we're, but, but like, we're talking about how do we get 33,000 people to Pullman? And it's like, I mean, that is just like, if you just stop and think about it for just a second, number one, that's just like, it's such an absurd question to ask to begin with. Cause you're just like, okay, here we are, you know, supposedly big time college football. And we can't even get like a crowd. That's like half the size of most other programs. Now I understand all the reasons why I'm not trying to say like, we don't belong in power five or something like that. Like I'm saying, I'm not saying any of that. What I am saying is like, we're trying to talk about how we can goose a few more thousand for what is already a really tiny crowd. And I would submit that the fact that, our max capacity is already miniature by comparison to other schools is sort of like the thing that, that, that kind of plainly uh, illustrates the problem, right? Like, like we're talking about squeezing, you know, extra drops from a rock, you know, like that's really, we're, we're like saying, okay, what can we do to squeeze extra drops from a rock? So like, to me, like that's sort of the main issue. We, we don't have, a large uh, population base to draw from uh, the vast major majority of our alumni do not live anywhere near uh, Pullman, which is unusual for most colleges. Um, and then also, you know, people in Spokane for whatever reason won't come to Pullman, you know, it's, and it's like, we don't have as many alumni in Spokane as I think probably most people assume. Um, but you know, you would think we could get some t-shirt fans to drive down and we just, we don't have them, right. We just don't have them which is sort of always sort of crazy to me. Cause like it's, it's big time college football. You know, there's, there's really nothing else 
in that area except for Gonzaga. And that is, you know, basketball season and it's hard to get a ticket. So, you know, you got big time college football, not that far down the road. I mean, I drive two plus hours on a weeknight to go watch a Sounders game. So like to me, it just sort of doesn't compute, but the reality is this is what it is, right? So, okay. So all of that to say, if we're going to try and just squeeze, you know, some drops of water from a rock, right? You know, somebody with the basketball program asked me, how, how do we get more people to come to basketball games? And I'm like, I, I honestly think it comes down to one thing and it's Beasley is a dump. Like, I just like, I honestly yeah. think that because the more we talk about this and TV plays into it, you mentioned TV, TV plays into all this. Like if people don't just come to games for the game anymore, like it just like, that is not the, that is not the motivating factor for the vast majority of people. I mean, like, think about, okay, when you go to Pullman for the weekend, right? You don't come into town, watch the game and drive home, right? Like you're staying for two days, you're tailgating, you're seeing friends, you're going to the Coug, you're doing all that. When you and I go to Sounders games, right? Like we make a night out of it or an afternoon or whatever it is. We go, we go get some beers, we eat some food, we watch the Sounders, we have some more beers, we go home, right? Or we get on a bus that has beers. Or we get on a bus that has beers. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's not just the game. I mean, the game is great and the game is important and we love the game and everything else. But like if it was only the game, then we're a little, you know, it just like it's not the same and it's not as fun. And so when I look at like, okay, let's talk about basketball because it's maybe like the best example of this. Like when you go to Beasley, you are literally going for the game and nothing else because there is nothing else at Beasley to make it a fun event. There is literally nothing else at Beasley that makes it enjoyable. They've, they've sort of done the beer garden thing, but like if you do it, you're sitting, you know, 50 rows up and not at your seats and you know, whatever. Like there's nothing about Beasley that says to people, Hey, you want to come here because outside of the game, even there's stuff, there's, there's no premium food. There's no, I mean, there's nothing. Right. So, if you add, if you sort of apply that to football games, very little of the stadium. So if you're talking about a person who's say driving down from Spokane, right? Let's let's talk about the Spokane fan. Okay, you're you're driving down from Spokane. What are you driving down for? Right, you're driving down for a game to go to a game that you can't have a beer at unless you have a club ticket. Um, to go to a game that's like probably three and a half hours long, right? To go to a game where you're probably sitting in an uncomfortable seat, right? The vast unless majority you're of the stadium a, unless, is, unless you're a donor and you have the little padded seat they come right. with, which is still kind of uncomfortable anyway. Yep. You're still, very likely yeah. sitting on a bench. So, yeah. or, you know, or a metal, um, you know, cold metal fold out seat. So like, I'm just kind of like going like, okay, well, what's the, you know, what's the thing that makes people, you know, want to go beyond the game? Cause if all I want is the game, I can stay home. Right. If all yeah. I want is the game, that's on my television. And then, and then right? it's, it's only, it's only three and a half hours of your day and it's not your whole weekend. Right. Plus I can or get your up whole and day. go to the bathroom. Plus I can get a beer. Plus you can I pause can, it. I can fold clothes. Plus I can whatever. Right. Or I can, and, you know, go to my kids' well, game and then start it late on the DVR. It, you, like, I mean, there you are mentioned, a million things I can do. You mentioned people from Spokane, and 
And this is where people from Spokane Tri Cities is where the uh, kick the TV kickoff times, I think, impact the most. Yes. Yep. Because they're not finding out at best twelve days before most conference games when the game will actually happen. And that that's one thing I think may play in favor for the Thursday game is people can plan for it. This one, if you're talking about trying to take a day trip, you got your kids having basketball, soccer, whatever in the morning. You might have a friend's birthday or or a wedding or whatever, but you can't really plan ahead for stuff because you don't you don't know what time this is going to happen. And I'll give an example, a personal example. Um, it was uh, I believe 2016. Uh, well, 2016, so maybe 2017, WC played at Oregon State. And we were already planning to go to Portland for a friend's Halloween party that week, that Saturday. So we were going to be like, okay, we were waiting. And I think this was like a six-day window they chose it. We were waiting to find out what time the game was. And we, I was fingers crossed hoping for like a 2 p.m. start, 3 p.m. start, so we could go to the game in Corvallis, go to our friend's Halloween party that we had already committed to. It was a 7.45 start. No, we're not going to that fucking game. Like, we're not going to the game because it would get over at 11 o'clock. Then we'd have to drive to Portland, get to our friend's house at midnight or whatever. And like, no, we're not doing that. We're not, we already told our friend we go to their party. Like, so you can't – and we couldn't have planned to go – to the Oregon State WSU game because we never knew the time. And so you get people that maybe could do out and backs. And there's a lot. There's a lot of WSU alums in Spokane, in Tri-Cities. There's a lot of potential T-shirt fans in Spokane, in Tri-Cities, in Yakima that could do out and backs because, you know, like they do out and backs for Seahawks games. Like people from Yakima go out and back for a Seahawks game or a Mariners game. They could do it, but they don't because they don't know what time the fucking game's going to be. And yep. and that's a, just one more of all the things we've talked about. It's another thing that piles on to all the reasons why attendance is just harder now. When we when games were never on TV, they were always at two. You knew they were at two. Like that, yep. like it was possible you could drive from Seattle and go to the game and go back if you really wanted to. And when it's two o'clock, and you know it's going to be. And you can plan for it. But you just can't. And that's part of the reason why the F- the FCS game earlier in the year gets better attendance than the the November 15th you know, game with bad weather like late in the season because they don't find out that it's going to be at 7.30 p.m. until, you know, you want to take your kids to the game? Oh, it's at, it's at 7.30. So the game's going to get over at 11.00. We're gonna have to drive home. Like my like my kids are gonna be sleeping through half of it, and I'm gonna have to pay, you know, fifty bucks for a ticket for them. Like, do I really want to do this, or do I want to sit home on my couch, put my kids to bed, and, yeah. and just enjoy, have a beer, and enjoy my evening? Like, it's just yeah. like there's 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 just one more. Like, I'm not saying that is the reason. It's just one of many reasons why. Like, and, and all these reasons, every time you add another reason, it impacts Pullman significantly more than impacts anywhere else in the FBS, honestly. Like it, like it, it, it's just, it, 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 it's just so much different 
like for Pullman. Well, I'll, I'll say the Power Five because I don't know about Boone. I don't know how hard it is to get to Boone. I know it's like three <laughs> hours from Raleigh, so I don't like yeah. it, it. It might be it might be tough to get to Boone, but so I'll say it in the in the Power Five, it, it impacts WSU more than anyone else in the Power Five. Every time yeah. there's a little bit of a change, and we have seen that slowly happen, and now we're getting twenty, you know, twenty uh, three thousand person crowds for homecoming. Um, and th- this is where we're at. I do think in terms of the atmosphere that typically is like, it relies on, and I'm not blaming the student. I'm just saying like, it does rely on how big the students are into it. Cause, sure. Uh, Cause the, stu- well, the students are such a large proportion of the crowd. Such a large proportion. And students are generally the, the most excited and into the game. Like, you know, they, they're that they, then like you feel the change when you're an adult. You're like, oh, I can sit down now. I don't have to scream yeah. constantly. <laughs> like this is nice, but you have the pressure. We still like ah, let's yell, let's let's scream and yell, and we stand up the whole time, yeah. blah blah blah. And and also your your back doesn't hurt, whatever. Um, yeah, it's it, it, so when when the students aren't into it, I mean, the students when they're into it, for, for on the alum side, you're like, all right, yeah. Yeah, let's let's get loud. Hell yeah! But when they're not, you're like, oh, I'm, this is sleepy. Like, what? Why is this so sleepy? I don't know. It's because they're not screaming, they're not yelling, and they, you know, you kind of need some plays to happen for that to happen. So when you have boring ass games like against Cal, like it's it's not just because I've seen some pretty small crowds at Martin really get into the game. Like I looked at the the 2018 Utah game, which has a reported attendance of thirty thousand. I was there. There's no fucking way there was 30,000 people. That was also homecoming. There was no fucking way there was 30,000 people there. I would say there was maybe 27. I would go 27. But that was one of the best atmospheres I've ever seen. Like people were so into that. You know, when, when, when Minshew to Aesop touchdown at the end, it was one of like the loudest fucking cheers I've ever heard at Martin. Yep. And there was, it was, it was far from full. So you don't need it to be full. And that's where it goes. And, and, and if you're really worried about revenue, all the most expensive seats are sold out. Like it's yeah. WCU is not hurting on revenue because people aren't buying see, the end zone seats. To me, that is the problem. Yeah. <laughs> and that, and that goes to my, that honestly goes to my solution, which is not really a solution because it can't happen. But I think that's it. Like you're saying, okay, all of the expensive seats are sold out. So you know what that tells me? Those are the seats that people want, and those are the seats we need more of. Yeah. So if you're trying to get more people there, those are the seats. So I talked about, like, people have to have a reason to go, right? So, like, I went with you to the Colorado State game, and we're up in the suite. And it's like, man, when you go out of the suite, the suites, so for people who have never kind of been up in the suite club area, the, the suites are above the club seats, okay? And down where the club level is, uh, on the inside is like kind of a, I mean, how would you describe it? Like a, like an indoor kind of commons area? I don't know, like I'm trying to yeah. figure out how to yeah. describe it. I, I, I think yeah. that's right. Yeah. Maybe that's there's a way, big, you know, there's like a big central bar, there's a big two open bars area. On each end. There's a yeah. big open where people can sit. There's a couple like food stands. Yeah, like um 
And and that's there's always people there. Like it's hard to get a beer down there at halftime. Like okay. it's like there's always people there. And then so you and I were, you know, talking with some people at halftime and we were talking and we were talking and we were talking. And the second half started and we didn't realize it. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like we're there. Well, guess what? Guess how many other people were inside talking and didn't realize the second half started? Lots of people. Lots and lots and lots of people getting beers inside this club area, talking with their friends, hanging out, whatever. And I say this not to be like, why weren't they outside watching the game? I say this to illustrate that going to the game is more than going to the game. Yes. And so these people, they're seeing people, they're meeting up with friends. Like, you know, you and I met up with Kaylin and it's like... <laughs> You know, I haven't seen Kalen since your wedding. It was so cool to see him, right? Like, this is what it's about. You've got to give people something else to show up for besides the game. And I know that that sounds like counterintuitive well, it, or look dumb at, well, or it's, whatever, it's, it's, but it's it is not, what it is. It's not. We, Jeff, we know it because we see it. Jeff, I so I gave up two seats for one this year. I you know yeah. I, I basically I'm paying roughly the same. But in terms of donation plus ticket, I gave up two seats for one so I could go from the 50-yard line downstairs to have a sweet seat upstairs because it, it is – I was like, well, I want that experience for a bit. You know, I, I've, I've, I've had club tickets before. I've, you know, people have – I've gotten guest passes to the suite. It's, it's like a – it's a different – it feels like a big – uh, like it, it honestly feels like more of a big time experience. Like honestly, like you feel like you're at like a like you see how like legit that fucking remodel those additions were. Like it's it's such a big deal. And to, to kind of like make a different point off of your point of of people going having beers talking. One of the problems at WSU is you can go out to your tailgate at halftime. Yes. And you can maybe <laughs> never come back, or you can come back. Yes. I remember. So I In remember the, the college, quarter maybe the college, uh, the college game day uh, game. Like my uh, my my uh, roommate from freshman year was sitting behind me, who also was in the frat with my friend Kevin, who was sitting, who was with me. So he was like, "We got a we got a tailgate in lot one. We should go at a halftime." We're like, "Hell yeah, that's close. Let's go." We go. And we're sitting there, and we have the game on TV, drinking beers and watching Oregon score a touchdown. And we're like, "Shit, maybe we should go back in. Like, maybe we should go back in the stadium." And that's not weird. Like, they they fire, they have fired a cannon in the past. I think they still they make some sort of like announce, like some sound to announce, like, "Hey, it's five minutes. Come back in." But like, people go out to their tailgates, and it, that was one thing they said. Well, if they if they if they allow beer on the concourse, then it's there will be no more re-entry. But that could be pretty good for the atmosphere of the game, honestly. Yeah. Like, yes, um, it if, could. Like, if people can just get beer as they're walking in and get beer throughout the game, maybe they they won't be out of their seats for such an extended period of time at, at like a crucial part of the game. Uh, you know, maybe even some of the older students won't like leave because they can. I mean, beer's expensive at games. Maybe they'll still leave, probably. But but people sit. People will be down in Coogville 
Like yes. they'll, just sitting there drink. Cause honestly, by the time you get your beer at Coogville, there is one minute till the second half yes. starts. If, and, if, but if you're, you're lucky. Like, and, and it's, they, they fucking, <laughs> and you can't, and you can't take it back to your seat. The, it, it's the same problem with, with when you go to your tailgate, the beer is in ice. It is cold yes. as fuck. You are not chugging that beer unless you hate yourself. Like, <laughs> or unless like you love the Cougs that much, but you also love beer yes. that much. I don't know. Yes. Like, like it's so cold. Cause I, I, I've done the go to Coogville. I've done go out to my cooler and get a beer and you're like, I'm going to drink, I'm going to get two beers in. But then you sip that first beer and you're like, this is on ice. This is fucking cold. This is not like a beer from your fridge. This is colder than a beer from your fridge. Like, this is so fucking cold. This is not like a draft beer. Like I can, like I cannot chug this thing. And no. so, so like you just, you go out, you get a beer, like, and it's just, it's crazy. And, and like, but, but you're, you're totally right. Like the experience and that's part yeah. of the experience. Like if you took that, if you took going to the tailgate away from some people, they probably would be very unhappy. They're like, Maybe, I want but my beer. You got, but like you got, but if you do have to, with something, yeah, right. With beer on the concourse, beer on the beer on the yeah. concourse. Okay. And so this is why my solution isn't really a solution. Because the school needs another $100 million of capital investments to build premium seating all the way around the stadium. And it would take forever like, to get that money back. Like, that's, like, that is what they need. If we're, if we're serious about improving attendance, that's what's necessary. Because we have more people that want club seats, more people that want suites, than they actually have club seats and suites for. And so those people will pay for a premium experience to show up. Just like you talked about, right? Like you, you go up in the suite. It feels great. You're like, look at this. This is cool. You know, you don't have to wait to get a drink. You can get hard alcohol, take it right to your seat in the suite. Like it's great. So you need that everywhere and you need a variety of those things. Like when I think of like Lumen Field, I used to go to Seahawks games a lot, right? Me and my dad had season tickets and it's like, yeah, you look around. Well, what do you got? You got also, you know, all sorts of price points for seats. And I understand that's a you know 70,000 seat stadium. So it's different. But you got all sorts of different price points for seats. You got, you know, premium seats down below. You've got club seats. You've got cheap, 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 relatively cheap <laughs> seats like where we used to. Nothing's sit. Not really, really that cheap, cheap but, anymore. But relatively cheap. Um, you had suites all the way around. There are also field level suites. You know, down in the whatever that is, the north end zone, right? Which they also so had like, in Wisconsin, by the way. Which yeah. definitely should so, I mean, definitely should be what they turn the, the little the. The thing in front of yes. the, the, the oh CD my god in front yes. of the football yes, operations yes, building. Yes. Why didn't they just do that? To that should all I don't that know, should all be sweets. That should all be sweets. So, yeah. So that's that's kind of what I'm driving. I mean, like I was kicking around some ideas with Brian Anderson too, and like he was talking about like yeah, Wisconsin they've got a you know a field house basically that opens up right to the stadium, and you oh, can they just walk into that? the stadium and then walk into the field house and then so walk into the stadium, got and it's like. Gotta you know, ask. Come on, uh, like these are all things that you can do, but I don't ask, know how we pay for them. Gotta ask Tony Poston about those seats because he definitely. I saw him in them. I waved to him. Like the, so, Wisconsin just opened this like crazy club section that is at the end zone, and it's yeah. just like that's what BA was talking about. This like huge fucking clubhouse behind it, and then and then you and then they just have all these like on field seats, like t tiered seats going up. It's like yep. we could probably do that. No one sits in the fucking end zone. Like, why couldn't we do that? Like, yeah, uh, that's what you know. 
we, we've talked about this for years. Like they cut down the amount that the total seating in Martin by 2000 to build the football operations building and build the, um, the, the premium seating. Yep. They could easily cut it down, obviously by a few more thousand, um, yep. for some premium seating. But like you said, that costs money that we do not have right now and we won't yep. have for maybe ever. Um, yep. and, and, but people ask, is Wisconsin going to come back? I think they will. I don't think they're going to buy it out. And where are they not going to buy it out? Because WSU makes twice as much money on a football game on a, through seeding, which they will, sh- which they share with their visiting opponent, um, than they did when Wisconsin last canceled, last bought out a game because of the premium seeding. So I, I just don't think that they're going to, cancel at this point also it's less than a year away i don't like they're not going to try to schedule enough they already have an fcs opponent on the schedule they're not going to like try to schedule another no um, i don't think so but but also that's a big reason why they haven't done it now is because we we can offer and the tv contract too we can offer more money to them um on the return and so that's why they don't anymore and that's honestly it, you you rip out 3,000 regular seats and put in 500 premium seats, those 500 premium seats make like four times as much at least as those 3,000 seats that you ripped out. (laughs) And people will pay it. Like, that's the thing. Like, people love to feel special. And they will totally pay. I love to feel special. To feel special. And so it's like, you know, if if there was anything that, like... Do you know how much I pay... Per game, I do to go to a WSU game. <laughs> I have some idea. I do have some idea how much you pay. It's to a feel lot. Special. It's a lot. Yeah. It, yeah. So I, I mean, the, and I the short answer it. is the short answer is there's no solution, right? Like we're talking about how to get thirty two thousand people, which in and of itself is just like almost comical. I mean, if you know, I don't mean to like, you know, laugh at ourselves, but we kind of have to laugh at ourselves on this. But every, everything just, you I think say it just is, is what like, it is. I am, I am an example of that person. Like, like I am yeah. that. And I, and I know a lot of people who are that person. Like, like yep. I, I am like, I am much happier. Like it's, it's funny when I had booked a cheaper hotel in Moscow for this year, and then uh, B.A. and Katie offered me the opportunity to go up in the suite. And I'm like, well, I'm not staying in fucking Moscow if I'm in the suite because I want to have gin and gin, tequila sodas all game and not have to worry about it. So I'm going to Pullman Hotel. And so I it like it like the amount of money I had to spend in Pullman has just like increased. Uh, God bless the, uh, the Logans uh, who – Offer me a place to stay sometimes, save me the money. And then also, uh, our buddy Jamie, who I've not taken him up on yet, but <laughs> I will eventually. Um, you might, I might. I love you, buddy. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, it's just, it, it, there's, you, you have people like me who have just said, you know what? And also I have, like 
the blessing of of my wife and my my partner, my wife, who knows like this is an important thing for me. She doesn't, you know, she kind of cringes at the money, but also knows like I, I would only do it if I know I could afford it, you know, like things like that. And so I have like a, I have like a good situation. I can go to games on my own. I can take her sometimes. I can take the kids sometimes, you know, whatever. I just told her, look, I, you know, I'm in the suite. I want to go to every single game this year. Like, and, and I usually go to at least, I usually miss like one, one year I missed three. It was a weird year, but, but, but you know, it's just, but I'm fucking weird. Like I have a kook podcast. I have, I have been writing for a kook blog for, for 13 years. I'm a fucking insane weirdo when it comes to this shit. Starting with Paul Wolf. I mean, starting with Paul Wolf. Let's, let's let's put that out. So you just have to be at my level of obsession to want to do this. And like, like BA and Katie are definitely at my level of obsession with this. They bought an RV just to go to Pullman like the and but a lot of people if, even if you want to do that you have to have been in the donor pool for a long ass time to even get an RV pass like so it's not even that easy like it, you can't just decide you want to suddenly start doing that like so you have to just be committed for a while and then raise your commitment and and that's that's kind of what a lot of us has done but if you don't want to raise your commitment, as things kind of get more expensive around you, I can see why people, you know, and I, I've been lucky, like things have gotten more expensive as my career has gotten better, as my salary has went up, whatever. So it's been like, I can absorb it. I can absorb it at every, at every level. I can absorb it. But if, but if that's not happening for you, if, if it, or, or if you're just like, I'm not willing to pay this much to go to the MSU games, which is totally understandable. You are not as insane as I am or maybe stupid. Maybe you like, you know, having more in your savings or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Like, like it's just like, I know I'm weird and crazy and I know it would like there, there is no way you can find like 20,000 like insane people like that. And so we're just kind yeah. of in this place where the, the only thing there is to do is you like, and you you said it, and, and Brian said it, and like it, the the one thing Bill Moose really tried to do, and was the right thing to do, is try to just win over Spokane, because that's your closest place where you can maybe win some T-shirt fans. Like, obviously Gonzaga won them T-shirt fans in Spokane. Like they um, they Gonzaga owns Spokane, and very few of those people went to Gonzaga. Like there is. There's very few people in Eastern Washington that actually went to Gonzaga, but they're all big, big Gonzaga fans. We don't really have that. We do have it a little bit, but not really any, like not really in in, in Washington State for Washington State, like for Washington State football or basketball, have never really to that point or even approaching that point gotten that level of just regional love. But that's what we would need to consistently sell out. Because right now we're we're, rely, we're relying on alums where 70% of them live five-plus hours drive away. Yeah. And that 
And I would argue if it hasn't happened yet, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Like, it's just not. It's just not going to happen. So Wait, no, it just took Gonzaga. It just took Gonzaga being, like, really fucking good for, like, a decade. Like, if if WSU is one of the best. In the same city. In the same city. That helps, too, yes. (laughs) Like, in the city. I mean, look. W, the the spokesman review covers WSU. If WSU had been a, I mean, WSU did have more of those fans in the early two thousands, but they didn't. They didn't. They weren't really good long enough to build those kind of like generational fandoms that Gonzaga now at this point has, because. It is not like lucrative for the spokesman to cover WSU football like it is for Gonzaga, because there's not the like generational fandom. If 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 WSU comes off those two Rose Bowls and it's just really fucking good for the next five, six, seven years, this might all look a little different. But they they didn't. They weren't. They tanked like like unbelievably tanked and. And, uh, yeah, that was when you could do it, I think. And now with how many different things there are and how much easier it is to watch football on TV and how much easier it is to watch anything else in the world or do anything else in the world now, there's so much other stuff to do. And all the games are on TV. It's so much harder to build that in-person uh, generational fandom Um and like you said, if it hasn't happened now, probably never happened. We kind of missed the boat on that. And that's a bummer. So we might have to deal with some more homecomings like we, we saw this weekend. Yep. Shit, we talked about that for a lot longer than I thought we would. <laughs> Should we take a break? Probably. We're an hour and eight minutes in. <clears throat> Sorry, yeah. I was just we still got to talk I about USC. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. All right, we'll be back. <laughs> We're back. Well, Jeff, <laughs> I think I, if you followed my request, I think I know what you're drinking, but what are you drinking? Uh, well, yeah, so I, I did follow your request. Well, you probably uh, already finished I, it at this point. I, I did finish it. I'm moving on to the next beer now. Uh, so I went ahead and drank, yes, the uh, Yakima Squeeze, which is uh, a fresh hop collaboration between Ruben's brews and, and single hill brewing as, as one might expect from the, from the Yakima squeeze, uh, name. So yeah, delicious fresh hop beer. I haven't had too many fresh hops because I've been, I've drastically been reduced my, yeah, I've drastically reduced my beer intake. So uh, I think you had a few with kinda, me and Pullman. 
I did. I did for sure. Cause I, I didn't have to worry about, you know, kissing my wife or anything like that. So I didn't have to worry about, uh, you know, contaminating your wife sick with your kisses. Yes. Your wife sick with your kisses. That's right. Um, so I, uh, stopped by Rainier Growlers today and picked up a, uh, a quartet of fresh hot beers. Cause I haven't, like you said, I haven't, uh, haven't had many. And this, this was one. I was very excited to see that. I love Ruben's Brews. Love Single Hill. Uh, the fact that it was, you know, Yakima squeeze. I was like, that's, that's, you know, perfect for, uh, you know, I, I laid all four of them out. So Craig, Craig was referring to, I laid all four of them out, took a picture and was like, which one should I drink tonight? Craig's like, do you even have to ask? And I was like, I think he's probably talking about the Yakima squeeze. <laughs> and so I, you know, took the picture and circled the Yakima squeeze and put a question mark. <laughs> and then, and then you hit me up with the, uh, Robert Redford nodding gif. Mountain man nodding gift. So, is yeah. that Robert so Redford? I knew, I knew I got it right. Yeah, it is. That's Robert Redford it in is. that picture. It is. It I is. never. It is. I don't think I ever realized that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so funny. yeah, beer's delicious, uh, as you would expect. Uh, yeah, just that super kind of uh, bitter, intense, you know, hop flavors that that I love in the fresh hop. I, you know, the thing I love about fresh hop beers is that I definitely could not drink them all year round. But no, like for not. a month, for a month, once a year, it's like, yeah, like I can appreciate the, uh, you know, the intense flavors and, you know, just the palate wrecking that goes on from, from drinking, um, you know, all the, the, the super intense fresh hop beers. Yeah, I definitely, I had that at the, at the tailgate last weekend. I definitely got one, you know, I was. Um, tailgating with, um, Amanda's, uh, brother, now my brother-in-law, Chris, um, he, he, he was doing his, he had, he had his van that they traveled around, um, uh, mostly like the, mostly the Western half of the U S to a lot of, for like a year, him and his wife, well, they were just, just girlfriend and boyfriend at the time, got engaged on the, so you know, they like each other. They lived in the van close quarters for like almost a year and still liked each other. And that's when he's like, yeah, I guess I, we could get married and they got married. So, <laughs> um, yeah, we were able to tolerate each other in a van, but, but he was real excited. That was, that was why Amanda went to her third out of the first five WSU games, which is, yeah, people do I don't not even know appreciate. I don't even means. know if she did that when we were at Wazoo, honestly. <laughs> like, she, <laughs> she traveled to a Wazoo game and went to two home yeah. games in a row, in a row. Like, so impressed, but basically, um, um, our sister-in-law would only go if Amanda also went. Um, that's what she said to her, at least. And so, yeah. uh, we, uh, we got to, we got to take, uh, their big white Econoline van, park it in the, like, premium lot because i have that that pass from the suite of course and and we set up a little van gating and that was fun and i made sure to get a couple that were named after yakima um because it's fresh op season that and i knew chris would appreciate that a fellow uh yakima uh native and so yeah you know this is yakima's time to shine of course there's the fresh op ale festival this weekend which i won't be going to because i'll be in uh Victoria watching the Mariners games among probably Blue Jays fans, even though they're like, because to be fair, they only get Blue Jays games mostly there. They don't even like, they barely broadcast the, the Mariners games in BC. That's why, like, that's why like everyone in BC is a Blue Jays fan. Like they only see the yes. Blue Jays games. 
Um, but but so it'll be fun. Whatever. But anyway, so uh, yeah, the Fresh Up Ale Festival this weekend, which we have also obviously broadcast from in the past for our longtime listeners um, at Single Hill. And what I I have two different Single Hill Fresh Hop beers tonight um, in honor of well. Uh, you know, my, my friend Ty, who's one of the founders, he's a Wazoo alum, of course, and a, and a Sila alum. Um, and then, uh, uh, so the first one I had, which I've already finished, was, uh, they, 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 they put like hop truck crossing on their, uh, hop beers. So if you've ever been to like Moxie in hop, um, harvesting season, there's these big trucks, and I've probably said this before on the podcast, but hey, it was probably a year or two ago, so it's fine. Big trucks, like open trucks, they just pile the harvested hops into, and they like literally fall off, like as they go. But they just they're if you if you drive through Moxie during that time on Highway 24, there's like highways there there are trucks just crossing constantly, and and there's hops falling out. Home brewers will go run and grab the hops and stuff, make their own fresh hop beers or whatever. It's kind of a tradition. But this one, the first one I had is Five Sisters Fresh Hop IPA, Fresh Hop IPA, um, brewed with, uh, Pink Boots, uh, Yakima. Pink Boots is like a, um, uh, 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 correlation to, or, um, not correlation, uh, whatever. It's, it's a, it's, it, it, it's, it's, um, like, uh, a program for uh, women in the brewing industry, brewers, um, women brewers in the industry. Um, so this is with fresh, wet Loftus and Morier Citra with fresh as fuck Morier Triumph and CLS Farm Zappa. Uh, so lots of different fresh hop IPAs or uh, fresh hop um, uh, uh, varieties in here. Um, they also got fresh as fuck pellets. I didn't even know that was a thing. Thought we were just doing the whole cone <laughs> shit. Um, beautiful picture, like on their back, they have a picture of the hop truck. So if you buy one of these cans, you see the hop truck on the back. It's a, it's a great like um, just a drawing of it. I would I would I legit like I would have like if, if I could get this as like a like a, like a like a print, I would frame it and put it on one of my on one of my walls. Like it's so cool. Um, I love it. Um, uh, so they say, uh, every fresh hop beer we brew uses only hops from this year's harvest. This beer has fresh, wet and freshly dried 2022 hops. Um, so obviously single hill bean and Yakima, you know, they always do tons of collabs, all that stuff. So the other beer I'm having is, uh, um, fresh hop lateral a fresh hop IPA. Uh, this is a collab with Zeke's Pizza. Um, if you're in the Seattle area, you know what that is. Um, yep. uh, this has wet HBC 586 and Peral Farms, um, HBC 119 from Yakima Goldings. So both of these are kind of hazy. Um, you say, you know, you would say palate wrecking. I would not call these palate wrecking. They definitely have the fresh hop characteristics, but they're not like, like an intense bitter IPA. Um, I would probably like them better if they were clear and a little more hop forward. I know I've said, I don't like when they just go straight fresh hop ale. I like when they kind of make a balance there and they've done a good job with this, 
but I would like a little more bitterness. Um, I had when I was at um, Beer Star earlier. I had a fresh hop Bodie that was pretty interesting because it tasted like a Bodie, but like just just a little bit different. Like you know, I gotta try this, that. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I I saw they they put it on tap today, and you know we uh, we uh, Amanda dropped our kids off with the grandparents this afternoon as we're going on going to Victoria this weekend or one of our mini honeymoons and um uh so I was like hey there was this there's this like which I now know very good like pop-up pizza place that was had food there um so I was like let's go get pizza and beer and so we did that and I had some fresh up beer and um yeah it was it was very good and um single hill Makes a million fucking fresh hop beers. These are good, especially if you like hazies. Like I would highly recommend. They're very good hazies, um, very tasty. Um, so Five Sisters Fresh Hop Lateral A. I know they make. If you go to the actual brewery, they usually have like ten to fifteen because they just collab. They also have like collab, or they'll have like not fresh hop beers, but like collaboration beers with all the breweries that came through for hop selection, which is pretty cool. Um, so like you'll, you'll see some like really famous breweries that came in for hop selection and then they came single hills, like come over, drink some beer with us and brew a collab beer. Yeah. Sounds fun. Um, so that's, that's Yakima this time of year. Um, this is Yakima's time to shine, uh, highlighted with the fresh hop ale festival this weekend. And yes, we should probably move on to talking <laughs> about, uh, the Southern Cal Trojans, which I have learned that they hate to be called that, so we will yes, we refer to them as the Southern the Cal. Southern Cal. We're going to play Southern Cal in Southern California this weekend, which might be the last time ever that WSU plays in might the Coliseum, be. which is nuts. Might and what be. have what have they won five times ever? Something like that. Something like right. that. Yeah, uh, yeah. So. It'd be cool to get one more. Um, it it'd be cool to end it that way, right? Yeah, it would be cool. And, to, and also that, cool. So, so WSU has beat guy from USC Insider just fume one last time. WSU has beaten USC ten times ever. Period. Yep. Um, that's uh, so. That's always what I get. Um, and one of those is, I believe, a. I don't know if one of the the vacated game from 2005 counts as a win for WSU or not. I don't know. So I don't, I don't know if it's actually been nine. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, I do know that most of them have happened recently, right? Uh, been, like in the last 20 years, tw- right? So 2017, 2013, 97, 2002. That's four yep. of them. Yep, that's four of the ten. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I mean they they are rare, they are few and far in between, but uh one should have know, happened probably in 2018. And... <sighs> you said to do that, didn't you? Thanks, buddy. Appreciate that. Well, yeah, we are playing at USC. Had to think about that all over again, but yeah, I mean this team, you know, th- USC obviously this team is is kind of a kind of a different deal you know they are they're highly ranked and they're talented but you know it's been you know years oh, the, since they've been two, this highly thought of so forgetting the uh, the 2000 win as well yes 
Yes. That's the so one. Five of you those. Know, forget five about that one. Since 1997. That, that wasn't, that wasn't one of those years. So people, it's not one of the, not one of the ones people, and that was, that was one of the ones that happened in the Coliseum. So that's. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this team, uh, you know, super talented offensively. Um, you know, top 10, you know, I think the, the top 10 ranking has as much to do with, uh, Lincoln Riley being the coach and just sort of USC's reputation as maybe what they've done. Um, you know, barely beat Oregon state really needed sort of a fortunate turn of events, uh, to beat Oregon state. Yeah. And so yeah, Oregon you know, state just, fucked that one up. Yeah. And they have not played, uh, really anybody, <laughs> you know, they, they beat the hell out of Stanford. Well, I you think know, congratulations. I mean, Oregon State solid. I I, I would think. Yeah, Oregon no, they're State's solid. But I'm like, you know, I I would say out of between them and us, we've played the toughest opponent in Oregon. Like, I think yes. that's pretty. I think and that's I would, not a exactly a controversial statement. At so. Wisconsin, is probably on par. Yeah. Or, I don't well, know, after what Illinois did to Wisconsin a, to get their coach fired. <laughs> well, we're, Maybe so not. We're about to talk about these Fremo rankings real quick. Fremo yeah. Efficiency Index, which has yeah. been around for a long time. And it's always yep. it's always been there, always looked at it. Um, always takes him a few games in the year to actually have ratings because his stuff is drive-based versus play-based, which things like what... Uh, right, means less what, than... Um, what CFB graphs does or what, um, what, uh, Bill Connolly does, uh, that, um, but for, he's still got Wisconsin at 30 and he has Oregon state at 54. Um, he's got us at 25 and USC at 17. Yep. Uh, his, his, uh, his projection for this game is a close one. Uh, you and a high scoring one, USC, He's got basically thirty-eight to thirty-four USC. Yeah. Um, so close game, high scoring game. Which that sounds right to me, honestly. I, yeah, it know, does. With, it does to me too, man. USC after, getting yeah. or giving uh, two touchdowns, right? I think that's about what it is in most places. U, USC giving two touchdowns uh, seems batshit crazy to me, but. You know, I mean, a lot of what the lines are, you know, anticipating what the betting public's going to do. And, you know, I I don't know, man. Our first thought, you know, when we were on Slack on Saturday, I mean, our first thought was, man, USC is beatable. Like, this is not, you know, this isn't like playing the Pete Carroll USC's or whatever. Like, this is, so, you know, yeah, they're really talented on offense, but. Yeah. 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 So what, scare, what scares you about them? Um... The, the the dudes on the outside, Addison Williams, Taj yep. Washington, the, yep. they're 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 tough. And and what is our biggest weakness? Our secondary. Yes. So that's that that's 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 what scares you. It yep. is for sure. You know, Caleb Williams hitting those dudes, making big plays in the passing game. They gave up big plays to Cal in the passing game. They gave up big plays to Oregon in the passing game. Uh, we've seen it happen. Uh, that's tough, but. We've seen the toughest opponent in terms of pass protection that we're going to see all year in Oregon. Yes. Yep. And USC, while not 
leaky, super leaky, like not not quite as leaky as Cal and or Colorado State, is not immune to giving up sacks. They've given up eleven through five games. That's two a game. Uh, WSU we know also is not just it's not just about sacks with them. They're one of the best uh, QB pressure teams in the country. Um, I believe they're fifth in QB pressures um, right now. Uh, so they're this that's that's one part where that they can eat a bit in terms of uh pass pressure you know that that's it's not that makes me feel better about them what it was like against Oregon where they literally it was just they weren't going to sack him it was just not going to happen um if cuz yep. that's this obviously we've seen they thrive on last plays they thrive on last plays and and U, USC does give those up they've given up 9 uh, lost plays on rushes, and they've given up 11 lost plays on passes. Um, so 20 overall, uh, which is not a huge number, but also it's way better than what we saw against Oregon. Um, Some of more... that though is that Caleb Williams will run around. <laughs> like that's, yeah, that's kind of part of it. But that's like, good. So we, yes. So we, I mean, well, maybe. <laughs> I mean, we so we watched uh you know we watched Russell tonight right Russell Wilson and, and took some some joy in uh, some Schadenfreude right in uh in his his struggles we've been watching Russ take sacks you know like for years and years and years and so much of it is just his willing his unwillingness to get rid of the ball and his willingness to try and run around and make something happen Williams will do some of that too except the difference is Williams will also absolutely punish you. If you lose, you know, your, your rush discipline and he's able to get, That's loose. Fair. I think I, I want to say that Dickert called him also maybe the best running back in the conference. I mean, obviously he doesn't play running back, but like once he gets yeah. in the open field with the ball, he's so, so, so dangerous. And I know that like our fans have nightmares, right. About running quarterbacks. Um, so this is going to be one of those where it's but- like. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. We could on the, really get gashed. It's it's going to be interesting to see how aggressive we get defensively because he can but, hurt you. But so on the badly. other, but on the other side, uh, um, in terms of like how this defense thrives is off those big negative plays. Uh, yep. Caleb Williams is more likely to take a huge ass sack than like that Bo Nix was. Absolutely true. Yep. And, and so true. maybe yes. So if he gashes you. You gotta, you gotta contain that. Like it can't be a sixty-yard touchdown, which he is hundred percent capable of. Like you can't let that happen. But if if he's running around, like you said, be disciplined. There's a potential he's gonna run around until you can take him down. And so that's that's what they need to do now. Better, easier said than done. Easier said than done. Obviously, I will say he has not run that much this year. Like he has run a lot. But he has not run for a lot of yardage this year. Like mm-hmm. if you take out the set, if you take out the sacks, he's run about uh, thirty-three times for about two hundred and thirty yards. Um, you know that's that's a lot, like more than Cam or anyone. But that's not like that doesn't you know it's not like the most intensely explosive. Uh, play, but he is, you know, from watching him play, an insanely good runner, of course, and the type of runner that gives Coug fans nightmares all the time. 
when they think about even fucking uh, what was Stanford's quarterback in 2015 that ran for a 50 yard touchdown that wasn't even a good runner, but whatever. Um, uh, but other than that, you know, we got our old friend Travis Dye, a running back. Um, it's always funny. He's such a recognizable player. It's so funny. Like watching him at USC is such a, it's a trip because he doesn't wear any sort of like pads. He doesn't wear any sort of like, uh, armbands. Um, he's like a, he's like a baseball player that doesn't wear batting gloves. Like it, and, and just the way he runs is like so unique. So when you watch a USC game, you have to like blink a couple times. Um, he's still like a very good running back. Um, and then they have Austin Jones as well. Both of them averaging close to seven yards a carry. Um, but honestly, uh, WSU has done really well against the run, like the straight running back runs this year that I feel like they can contain those to enough point to where they're not going to be detrimental. It, it is all about Caleb Williams and those receivers and what they can do against them. And can they, can they get pressure on Caleb Williams, make him throw the ball away and not run? Like, but I do think USC is going to score some points though. Like I don't. This is not going to be nine no. points, fourteen points, like against Wisconsin. This is going to be more in the twenties and thirties. This is probably going to end up like the Oregon game. Yeah. If if we are in it, it's going to probably end up like that with both teams. Now that game ends forty four forty one, as you know, sort of goosed by the pick six and then the touchdown at the end. For all intents and purposes, that game had both teams in the thirties. And yeah. I think that if if we're in the game, I do think that that's where it goes. I am super curious about the safety situation. I know Jordan Lee is expected back. He is, you know, was makes the a big starting difference, strong yeah. safety, right? So he comes back in as strong safety. Strong safety is typically a run support type position, but yep, obviously will play some pass coverage. But what I, what is really kind of interesting about it to me is. That means, okay, so what are we doing at free safety? And there's definitely been some intimation that Jaden Hicks, who has been uh, playing in place of Lee at strong safety, is in line for some for some playing time at free safety. Um, and when we saw the last time we saw us play a team that had wide receivers with this kind of athleticism was Oregon. And the safeties really struggled. One safety in particular, you know, I don't want to completely air out, you know, Sam Lockett, but it certainly seemed like he was really struggling with the athleticism, which is not not a total shock, right? I mean, he transferred, you know, he was a under-recruited guy. He was a JUCO guy, yeah. um, you know, not highly regarded even as a JUCO recruit. And he's And he's done nice things for us. Like, I'm not trying to, you know, downplay it, but at some point there there's an athleticism issue, it seems like. And Oregon, I think, kind of exposed that. And so um, I know that I, th- I think Hicks has a little bit more of an ability to do that. So I'm, I'm really curious to see um, how they handle that rotation and whether that makes a difference in terms of guys just, you know, <laughs> guys just kind of running free um, as, as they were against Oregon. Yeah, that it. You you hope that that is not happening. You know, maybe they learn some things. Maybe the fifth game is different than the third game. Um, I don't know. Like it's, but let's talk about 
WC's offense against USC's defense. Um, USC's defense comes in on um, FEI uh, pretty poorly ranked, 88th. Um, they're offense fourth. So that's why when Jeff and I say we see this looking like Oregon game, um, that's why. Because uh, USC's defense has not been particularly good, especially when you consider uh, the teams they have played. Um, not, you know, we already talked about that, but uh, USC's defense, uh, our old friend Alex Grinch, of course, in charge <laughs> of that. And he famously had some amazing defenses at Oklahoma. Uh, just kidding. He did not. <laughs> Amazing, um, amazingly scary. Amazing can mean a not lot Not in of a good way. Yeah. Um, Surprisingly, but, amazingly not. You know, they come in giving up less than 20 points a game, but congrats on holding Rice to 14 and Fresno State to 17. Oregon State to 14 with their quarterback situation. That is an utter disaster. Um, but they gave up 25 to Arizona State, 28 to Stanford, who is just yep. fucking terrible. Um, their, their, their defense is almost entirely built on turnovers and yeah. ending drives with turnovers. Which is part of the that reason why they don't game. fare well in like a, because uh, they give up yardage. And that's why in a drive yep. base, based on. The percentage of yardage yardage you get on drives like um that's that's why so they have um they have intercepted three passes uh fumbles they have uh picked up uh three fumbles so six turnovers so far that doesn't seem like too bad jeff too bad no but on a per play basis usc is 71st nationally on yards per play and when you consider who they have played that's really not impressive um you know 5.52 yards per play i'm sorry nationally i'm sorry i read this wrong they've they've intercepted 12 passes they've only given up three touchdown passes they've intercepted 12 passes i read that wrong i I never know why they put the interceptions first on that but um so the intercept 12 I was like, that doesn't make sense to me. I know they've, I've watched their games. They've definitely done more than three yeah. picks. I mean, um, that makes more sense. 360 yards a game, 5.51 yards per play. It's honestly their defense and is entirely they have, dependent on turnovers. They have run three interceptions back for touchdowns. Yes. So, you know, it's it seems like a simplification, but I'll just go ahead and say it. Uh, if we don't turn the ball over, we probably win. Yeah, because like like I'll just like I'll just like I'll I'll make it that simple. Cam, like if, if Cam, or, Cameron, 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 yeah. look at listen, listen, Cameron. Those those throws you made against Cal, don't fucking do it. If yeah. it's first down and there's nothing there, throw it away. You're gonna get yardage on the next down. Don't worry about it. They're gonna give up the yards. Like don't fucking throw the ball into double triple coverage like it does that's what they want you to do please yep. don't do it don't do it yeah i honestly think that's it like i don't there's nothing else about usc's defense that is scary there, there's they get a not. they get a 
they do have 19 sacks in five games. Um, of course, so, I mean it's an Alex Grinch defense. They're yeah. going to try and create havoc. Um, he he does the same stuff now that he did when he was at Wazoo. Except the weirdest part about it is he's not coaching Wazoo anymore, <laughs> right? But so, and somehow doing. I don't, words. I don't know why don't... you coach. I don't know why you coach athletes at USC and Oklahoma that way, but whatever, I guess. And so, you know, if you can not give up, you know, major negative plays, if you cannot turn the ball over, then you're probably going to gash them. And I like our chance. Honestly, I like our chances to do that. I mean, you know, Cam Ward, I don't know, man. It seems like he, he throws those interceptions when he's feeling like, you know, when he's just, when he's kind of feeling good, you know, he's just kind of got like a feeling. And it's like, I, I don't know, man. There's a part of me that thinks like, Maybe he'll be uh, a little more locked in for this, or maybe not. I don't know. But, like, I just feel like this is sort of the next natural progression for him is to, like, have that nice, clean game. You know, if he throws one interception, fine. Like, honestly, I'm like, whatever. You're you're going to get enough positive plays. You know, if you're going to make an omelet, you're going to break some eggs, all that kind of stuff. But we just can't have, like, the second interception, right, like you talked about. Like, you just – you know, the balls that never should be thrown. Those are the ones we can't have. And I think that those, and then I honestly, I think with this one, we probably need to get a little lucky too, in the sense that, okay, if he does throw an interception, that it's not a, you know, a drive killer inside the 20. We need Lincoln, we we need Lincoln Vic, we need Lincoln Vicar to force a fumble when he throws an interception. That too. That too. So we just, (laughs) we just need that to happen. When the interception comes, we just need to get him to fumble it right back to us. That's that's the strategy. <laughs> Especially if it's third down, so we get a first down out of it. You know, that's that's just how we're working. That's that's how this offense works. Yep. No, but I, I do strategy. think like it, it, I you know I I I agree. Yeah, like, I think we can move the ball. Got to avoid mistakes. Got to avoid big negative plays. Now, this is where. Our offensive line, which struggled against Oregon, struggled a bit against Colorado State, um, like that's that's a bit of the worry. Is like, are they going to give yeah, Cam time? Didn't really struggle against Cal though. Too bad. Yeah, wasn't able good. to run the ball as effectively as you would want early in the game, but you know, wasn't Cam wasn't running for his life either, so. You know, and Cal, maybe maybe Cal had a right fair path. number of sacks, so maybe we're maybe we're moving in the right direction, man. Maybe, yeah. You want to? You want to move? I'm going to pre- say we are. You want to move to predictions? predictions? Yeah, let's go. Okay, so like I said, game in game in the 30s, I think is is the way it is. Uh, I think the Cougs easily cover. I think that's just uh, like yeah. free money, which of course is was it? It's, it's up to words, like, but up to like. 13, what is it now? Yeah, I think at DraftKings it's still like 13 or 13 and a half. Yeah. There are other places where it's up to 14. Um, and it opened at 10 and a half. 10 and a half. So 10 and a half. <laughs> Everyone like, hates us. Yeah, I guess. Even though like for years and years and years we're like, you know, just betting on us is <laughs> is a good bet uh, yeah. to either cover or, or you know, take the points. So. Anyway, I, I, I think it ends up in the 30s. I think we cover, um, and I'm just going to go ahead and say that we win 38-35. Cam Ward throws the winning touchdown with one minute and 30 seconds to go. 
And then a big sack on fourth down of Caleb Williams seals the game in the last like 30 seconds. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's what I got. So, so wait, where's yeah. the score again? It, what'd I say? 30, 38, 35 WSU. Sure. 38, Let's 35 go. WSU. Let's ride. Well, I missed the, you're an idiot gift. So I'm going to go the other way. Um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty fucking scared of Caleb Williams and those receivers. Yep. Um That's I'm pretty fair. fucking scared of of Cam Ward's eight interceptions he's already thrown this year. Um yep. so I'll go WC to cover, but I'll go USC thirty eight, WSU thirty one. And That's hopefully hopefully the realm of possibility. Hopefully, I hopefully get get those gifts ready. Those you're an idiot gifts to send yes. to me. I will um, be the first one to send it to you. There, so. there is nothing better in my entire life than when I pick WSU to lose and then they win, and I just get a fucking stream of what an idiot gifts. Like it's the greatest thing. You know, we we prefer the Will Ferrell one, but if you got another one, that's fine too. You got a, fe- a preferred "you're an idiot" gif. I'll, we take them all, um, but obviously they'll only this week be directed to me because Jeff picked the Cougs to win, and hopefully he is correct. I am yes. rooting for that. Um, hopefully Craig's an idiot. Hopefully I'm an idiot, uh, Jeff. I soccer played today, right? And it did not yeah. go well. I did not watch that game. Um, I saw they were down two. Yeah, they scored a goal very late. Um, the The craziest thing about the game is there were only three shots on goal. And as you for might either know, there team were three, there were there were three total. I'm talking three total holy, shots on goal. Holy shit! And there were three goals in the game. So, uh, yeah. So I don't know how it happened. I don't know what what went down. I do know that's not a good loss. Uh, no, especially no. with Stanford on deck this weekend. Um, you know, you're looking at the very real Stanford is, uh, potentially the best team in the country. Well, no, no, actually I'm thinking of UCLA. Sorry. Stanford, yeah, is tough, Stanford as usual is very good. Um, so you're, you know, you're looking at playing on the road, the potential of coming back with uh, zero points in two games on this road trip, which is not, yeah, and they had a, which is not good. So, which we haven't talked about. They had a real tough. Uh, draw against Colorado. They beat Utah, but they had a yes. real tough draw against Colorado that they should have won. Another game where yep. they dominated, should have won. Um, hopefully this, these types of matches aren't yeah. going to be what fucking I mean, torpedo the season, you know. If you beat Stanford, everything's fine. <laughs> like, like you, okay, you've got this great win on the road against Stanford. Everybody feels good. Like, yeah, the loss to Cal sucks, but you know, sometimes you lose. That's how it goes. Uh, but you know, if you go out and lose to Stanford as well, then you're like, uh, you know, it's not, it's not good. It's not good. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully they, they bounce back, um, against Stanford. The volleyball team is, is happy to be home. Uh, so they, they're, they're home this weekend. Uh, you know, hopefully feeling, feeling pretty good. I think they played or they play, what do they play? They play on Friday, right? They beat, they, so they beat, they beat Cal, um, easily because Cal's yes. fucking terrible. Um, yes. And then, but actually they gave, 
Stanford a pretty good run. It was four sets, but it was pretty four yep. tough, tough, uh, tough sets. Um, I think they might have even been. No, I don't know. They were they were they were definitely in it in in the fourth set. Looked like it they could potentially win that fourth set. Um, didn't do it. Uh, yep. so that was actually kind of encouraging because I, they have not played well against some of the top teams. You know, you got swept by UW, got swept by BYU. So, um, good to see them fight a little harder. They got two tough ones. Yeah. Oregon on Friday, uh, seven, number 12, Oregon's very good. This is a big, big fucking match. Um, for postseason yep. possibilities, um, huge, huge match. Then Oregon State on Sunday. Um, so, uh, big matches, um, this weekend, uh, for honestly, you know, you got the one more for soccer and then the Oregon one on Friday. So we got, uh, coming up just, uh, some kind of pivotal matches, uh, for, yep. for these, uh, programs. So, um, yeah, hopefully they can both, they both, uh, you know, you know, WSU volleyball has got a long, um, NCAA tournament streak to keep going. So getting a win over yep. Oregon would be huge for that. Getting a sweep this weekend would be massive. Yep. And a little revenge factor, right? Hannah Pukas playing yep. for Oregon. So you'd yeah. love to, you'd love to get a little revenge there. Not because Oregon. She transfers to Oregon. Oregon is a, what are they ranked? 11th, I think. 12th. 12th, something like that. 12th. Yeah. Because Hannah so, yeah. is really so fucking good. Yeah. So you'd love to, you'd love to knock off Oregon and like just kind of flex and smile over at the other bench. And I yeah. uh, feel pretty good about that. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So go out and, and beat our uh, very talented setter. Uh, former very talented center. That would be great. Uh, Jeff, we are yes. pushing um, hour 50. Uh, <laughs> it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and put like the I, times in the post for once because I, I never do that anymore. But I'm going to be like, yo, if you just want to skip to the USC preview, here's yeah, where so, you should go. So, yeah, I have uh, I have to be at the ferry terminal at 630 in the morning. Oh, so in Seattle, I have to drive taking... to Everett in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> shit. What? 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 Yeah. I I have to. I'm I'm presenting a uh, a session on from Graham, by the way, folks. That's a that's yeah. basically you have to go journalism through like basically day. you have to go through two walls to get there. Like yes, a... so it's high school journalism day tomorrow or or today if you're listening to the podcast on Friday. Uh, it's high school journalism day. The the conference is at. Uh, uh, WSU will, will there be so, a break uh, at 1 PM? Is that, yeah, I'll be, I'll be back on the road. So I get to listen to the dulcet tones of Rick Riz in my, uh, in my Tahoe. Well, no, you might, might, you might get some, uh, Gary Hill jr. As well. Or yeah, Gary Hill jr. Yeah. yeah. Or, or Dave Sims, right? Because it's gonna, because there won't be a TV. American Actually be all hands on deck. It might be Goldie. You might have, yeah, Goldie. I, I might get them all. Yeah, seriously. They they haven't got nothing else to do. I don't know how they're going to work that out. Man. So anyways. Goldie yeah, so might be getting, on the way I don't back. know, sometimes, sometimes Goldie gets a national broadcast. None of them are on Fox, yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. 
So I'll listen on the way back and then, uh, you know, yeah. So it's like so the you good old both, days. buddy. We're going to be, I'm going to be leaving. I'm going to be leaving Graham at six 30 in the morning. Drive to Everett. So well, cheers to a shitty night's sleep. Yeah. You and me. Both, I gotta go. Buddy. I gotta go except, pack. Except I gotta edit. Except I gotta edit. Well, you gotta go pack. I get to edit the podcast. Yeah. So. You get to edit the podcast. Um, I'm going to go pack, uh, which is, it's only two nights. It's, you know, some Mariner shirts, some Coog shirts, some pants. Yeah. We'll be yeah. good. Um, good. Yeah. Just going to watch the entire fucking series while in Canada. Like probably Definitely. with, yeah, that's maybe I'm, I'm hoping that give, that's the good fucking vibes we need. You know, I just, yeah, I'll be in Canada. Talk to all those Blue Jays fans. Yeah. Hey, and we swept them when they here came here. Like, we're going to take over Safeco or T-Mobile Park. Like, you get to be like, ha ha. And I'll be like, Victoria. I'll be like, how about that, motherfuckers? Yeah. How does that Boom. feel? Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Sorry motherfuckers. How about that? <laughs> oh, and my, my, my boss is from Toronto. So come on, Ems. Come on, Ems. That's right. That's right. All right. Uh, um, all right. So Jeff, tell them where yeah, to find whatever. us. No, uh, yeah. Uh, you can uh, subscribe to us, please. Uh, if you're listening, uh, give us a five star rating. You should, because uh, you love us. Because you just listened to an hour and fifty minutes of this, so you definitely love us. Give us five stars. Yeah. Um, uh, you can email us at uh, podcast vs everyone at gmail.com podcast versus everyone at gmail.com uh, you can find me on twitter at the craig powers or on instagram at craig w powers um, you can find jeff on twitter at pod vs everyone pod versus everyone um, podcast versus everyone is too long for a twitter name it is not allowed um yeah and i guess that's it that's all so go fucking kooks go fucking kooks craig black lives matter black lives fucking matter and you can still get vaccinated get fucking vaccinated